Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So this song is one that I first heard uh, years ago in a video game called Borderlands. And uh, this, <laughs> go figure, Pastor Jared would, recommend, would reference a video game. I love playing them, but that's actually the opening track in this video game. It's the first time I ever heard of this song, and I just thought, my gosh, it's so catchy. And one of the reasons that I love this song is because of the storytelling in it. In fact, I love that across uh, a lot of songs, whether it be a hip-hop song or a country song or a rock song. I love it when the writer is telling a story. In this case, this song, the author is actually telling three separate stories. And what I love about it is that he's asking this question about why do we do the things that we do in this song? And so we're going to explore that a little bit today, go through the lyrics and kind of examine that. But have you ever heard the phrase, there's no rest for the, we- for the weary, no rest for the weary? It actually comes from as a variant of what this song's phrase is. There's no rest for the wicked. So when you hear somebody says, man, there's no rest for the weary, maybe people say that after a long day at work or whatever. It actually comes from this this song concept, which is there's no rest for the wicked, and it actually comes out of the Bible. And a lot of songs and a lot of phrases in our popular culture actually have have derived from Scripture that long ago used to be a bedrock of our society and, and became part of a vernacular and then just sort of forgotten. And then we don't even recognize that much of it comes from scripture. But this particular concept of no rest for the wicked or no rest for the weary comes from Isaiah chapter 57. You don't have to turn there, but I just want you to see it. Isaiah 57 verses 20 to 21 says this, but the wicked are like storm-tossed sea like waves constantly, for it cannot be still, and the wicked, their water, water churns up muck and mire. And here it is. There is no peace for the wicked, no rest for the wicked, says my God. So Cage the Elephant wrote this song, and they told three separate stories about this very topic of a man who comes across three people, and each of them are living a lifestyle that he can't understand. And he finds himself asking this question of why do we do this? And the only explanation that he actually can come up with is, well, there's just no rest for the wicked. So what I want to do is I want to listen to the first verse of the song in the chorus, and then we're going to talk about it and just really kind of examine what God might say to us today. So let's take a listen to the first verse in chorus. Good. Not even 
All right, so this first story we hear about a guy who's walking on the street and he gets propositioned by a prostitute, right? So, and he finds himself asking the question of why would you do this to yourself? And then she responds to him, there's no rest for the wicked. I got to hustle, I got to keep up with. The song then continues and he says, now even 15 minutes later after walking on the street, when I saw the shadow of a man creep out of sight, and then he swept up from behind and he put a gun up to my head, he made it clear he wasn't looking for a fight. He said, give me all you got. I want your money, not your life. But if you try to make a move, I won't think twice. I told him, you can have my cash, but first you know I got to ask, what makes you want to live this kind of life? And so again, he's faced with this guy who is now a thief coming out of the shadows, puts a gun to his head, and he's thinking to himself, why would you live your life like this? And the response again is, is that there's no rest for the wicked. I have bills to pay, I have mouths to feed, there's nothing that I can do about it. So he arrives at home and he sits down after a crazy day, and this is what it says. For now, a couple hours passed and I was sitting on my house. The day was winding down and coming to an end. And so I turned on the TV and I flipped over to the news and what I saw, I almost couldn't comprehend. I saw a preacher man in cuffs. He'd taken money from the church. He stuffed his bank account with righteous dollar bills. But even still, I can't say much because I know we're all the same. Oh, yes, we all seek out to satisfy those thrills. And then he finishes off again with, there ain't no rest for the wicked, right? So what we see here is this man who's finding himself in this like existential crisis of wondering. And when I say existential in the sense of why do we do the things that we do, right? And I think part of what, what resonates with me and maybe other people in the song and the writer is he's seeing people on tour or the friends that he has or when he's walking down the street and he's having these moments and he asks himself, why do we do the things that we do? How does somebody become the way that they are, right? How does, a, how does someone who was a son or a daughter become a prostitute? How does somebody who, you know, grew up in a home go all of a sudden to a place of where now they are, you know, wielding a weapon and robbing people on the street? How does someone who was a pastor, a man of God, someone who went to school, whose entire purpose in their job was to help lead people to hope, right, to Jesus, how do they get to a place where they begin stealing money from the very place that they, you know, are working for, that they're, in turn, how does that happen? It doesn't happen overnight is the, is the answer. This doesn't happen overnight. And so this writer of the song is just faced with these people, and he's like, how do we get here? And so I think it's really easy for us individually to pass over songs like this, or even at church, songs uh, or sermons about sin, right? About the way that we do things, because we all go, well, I'm not that guy, right? I'm not a prostitute. I'm not a thief. I don't put guns at people's heads. I'm not stealing money from people, right? This is easy for us to overcome and pass that off. But here's the reality is that every one of us really does struggle with something. Some of us struggle with things like anger problems, right? Maybe we lose our temper with our spouse or our kids, or maybe we struggle with road rage, right? For others in the room, it's money. We hoard it. Maybe some of us hoard our money. For some of us, it's spending recklessly. and others, it's allowing it to become the security of our lives. For some of us, it's sexual sin. It's lust or casual sex or pornography or objectifying men or objectifying women. For some of us, it's something even more subtle like idolatry, right, which is something we don't think of. We talked about this, I think, back in February or January. The concept of idolatry is, is putting something as the God, the supreme in our life. Maybe it's our career where our career is everything. And no matter what the cost or everything else is secondary in our lives for some of us. 
For some of us, it's vanity or pride. You know, our appearances matter more than, than, than it should, where it props us up. It makes us feel better about ourselves, right? Where we have to have the right name brands, or maybe we, we feel like the things that we have or that we, um, that we wear or the brands of the car that we have or the neighborhoods that we live into, they separate us with stereotypes or create judgment in our lives. For some of us, it's simply laziness or workaholism or excess of anything. Maybe you're going out and getting drunk. Perhaps it's racism, sexism, ageism, prejudice, discrimination. The list goes on and on. And all of those things that I just mentioned, we are all guilty of many of them, but we would never look at ourselves and go, I'm not a prostitute, so I'm not that, or I'm not a thief. Or You see what I'm saying? All of us struggle with something. And then the question really comes up, which is I think it's the same question as the writer, saying is why do we keep doing these things? Why do we keep doing the things that we know are harmful, that are unhealthy, that are immoral? Why do we do them? We want to stop, but we don't know how. How does this end up happening? And this is because of something that I would call, and what I think the song reflects is something that I'm calling the hustle of sin. The hustle of sin, right? Just like we said in the beginning here, that the people that he came across in the song, they didn't become like that overnight, right? There was a reason that they got into it. It was one choice that became another choice that became another choice. And ultimately then lands you in a place where you now look at yourself and you go, what have I become? Maybe for some of us, the things that I mentioned a few moments ago, some of those areas of our lives that we struggle with, maybe you really feel like you're wrapped up in one of those or maybe one or more of those areas of your life. How did I get here? It's because of what I'd call the hustle of sin. If you guys would open your Bibles to James the book of James in the New Testament. If you have a Bible, if you don't have Bibles, we have them for free over at the Connection Center. Also, we have, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can download the Bible app, and I encourage you to do that uh, from the app store, wherever you get your apps, and open it up to James 1. We're going to read verses 14 and 15 and see this concept of the hustle, right? What is a hustle? The hustle is when somebody tells you something, and then it's really a con, right? I was hustled uh, in pool, uh, in fact, my, we always joke that my dad is a, is a pool shark. Uh, in, in college, um, you know, they had a pool table, and he was pretty good at it. And apparently he would, I don't know if he ever made money off of it, but, but he would tell people, he would lure them into the pool hall, and he would tell them, hey, come on and play. And they'd be like, and he's like, I'm not very good, don't worry about it, because nobody would want to play with him. And then he would play, and he would whip them, like beat them into submission with pool. Well, this is like a hustle, right? The concept, well, sin does the same thing to us. Look what it says in James 1. Verses 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is what? Drawn away and enticed. The concept of enticing. It's like, it's like somebody walking up to you and being like, hey, that thing that you, that you see over there, it's really, really good. Don't worry. It's not going to hurt you. It'll be fine. Like, what's just a little bit, right? That's the concept of an enticement. So it says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. And then after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. So first, it's the idea of I'm looking at it, and it's enticing, and it's tempting me, and I'm wondering about it, and I keep looking at it. And then it becomes like, a well, all right. So you kind of go over and you try it out, right? And so it says that desire becomes a birth to sin, and then when sin is fully grown, right? So like the first time, this is the concept of it. The person who became the thief with the gun to the guy's head didn't just do that once. It might be, might be started with the desire to have something because he grew up in a home where he could never have the things that he wanted, maybe because his parents didn't have any money. And then maybe one day he finds himself really wanting something, so he goes out and shoplifts it from the store, right? And then he wants something else, but he can't get it, but he has to take it by force. You see how the steps become these places? This is the idea of it. 
The concept of that, it it becomes a desire. That desire then becomes a choice, and that choice becomes over time. It grows into something. It says, and after it is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And so what we see in the song is he goes, there's no rest for the wicked until we close our eyes for good. And we see that even in Isaiah, right, in the first passage. It's like, it's just constant. There is no way for us to get around it. And so the best that this writer can come up with is why we do this is that we're trapped in it. We're powerless in it, right? And this is the way that the world feels, why so many people feel like, and they just give up. And so I wrote a couple things down. No rest brings a constant hustle to do three things. Number one, to keep it secret, right? The hustle of sin constantly makes us want to keep it secret. We don't want people to find out about the things that we struggle with, because if we did, then maybe they would think less of us. I would be embarrassed by it if, we, if they let someone know that I have a pornography problem or that I have a, an anger problem or that I, I spent all my money on gambling, whatever that might be, right? We want to, a constant hustle of sin makes us feel like we have to keep it secret. The second thing that the constant hustle to do, and it gives us no rest, is to keep it going. Because when that high wears off, the thing that you know you shouldn't have done or isn't right, right, you know it's temporary, and as soon as the high of it wears off, you're now left with this feeling. It's awful. I don't want to feel that way. Either maybe you feel guilty, you feel ashamed, or perhaps you just feel lonely or you feel empty because your life doesn't feel purposeful. So now you have to go back and get more of it, right? This is where addiction comes from. This is why people get into drug addiction, because they're searching for something or that high grabs them, but then they come down off of it. So the hustle of sin not only forces us to constantly try to keep it secret, but also to keep it going. But then there's also a constant hustle to keep it from destroying. So not only are we trying to constantly make it so people don't know that we struggle with things, and also constantly feeling like we have to keep it going so that we don't come crashing down into the space where we're missing out on it. But the third thing is we want to keep it from destroying our lives because if it ever got out, right? If it ever got out that I struggle with this or that I wasted my money, my wife might leave me. If she knows that I had an affair, she might, might leave me. And I'm gonna, my kids would leave me. I wouldn't have my children anymore. If my boss ever found out that I, that I took a shortcut on this, on this project, I could get fired and now I can't pay my bills. I may lose my mortgage. Whatever it might be, we're constantly the hustle of sin. The choices that we make constantly make us running around hustling with no rest because we're constantly trying to keep everything together. This is what sin does. It entices us. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And eventually, one day, if it's not checked, if it's not managed, we find ourselves in a place where our life is in danger in various spaces. And so the hustle leads us to three other things. One, to be disillusioned. Because of it, we start to feel like we become cynical. We feel like there's nothing, that there's no answer to this, and so we start giving up. We become the kind of people, they say, this is the world around us. Everyone struggles with something. What's the point right? The hustle of sin leads to disillusionment, but it also leads to being deceived. When we are constantly wrapped up into it, it, we begin to believe the lie that there is no answer. That's what I think I see in the song is he says, there's no rest for the wicked. He says, and no matter how much I want to try, no matter what I want to hold back, I wish I could, there's no rest for the wicked until we close our eyes for good. The idea is we become deceived that there's no answer. I can't possibly beat this thing that I struggle with. We become deceived that there's no answer. This is all I am. And we even begin to feel like that's our worth and our value. Then I am a pornographer. I am a lustful person. I am a thief. I, it begins to define who we are. And that's not true, but that's what sin does. It causes us to feel deceived in that way. And the third thing is for some of us, that ultimately the hustle leads to be depraved. 
And we do see people out there, murderers, violent people. We do see people who are in power, positions of power, who steal money from people. We do see people who take advantage of and who kind of like it, right? There are just people out there who, who and we, we look at these stories of like a Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, serial killers, people, and we say, how does somebody get like that? But they weren't necessarily born that way. They weren't murderers when they were children. Their, their environment affected them. I know there are all sorts of situations and mental health issues, but what I'm trying to say is, is that we're nurtured by our environment, but it's also the choices that we make. And so what happens is eventually we get to the point where it's so unchecked that we can become people who are depraved, where we've lost a sense of, 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 of conscience or of, of, of understanding of what is right and wrong. And sometimes we even begin to like it and to really revel in, in those, those sinful spaces. That's the hustle of sin. And that's why the world is the way it is around us. We look at us and the problems that we have everywhere that we go. It's the hustle of sin. And so we find ourselves asking, I think the writer of the song was asking the question, is there another way? Is there another way? And I think we're all crying out for it in different ways. It's why we see drug addiction. That's why we see people you know, leaning into the sex industry with money or religion, family, politics, social justice, art. All of these are expressions of trying to make ourselves feel better for the things that we struggle with. We're all seeking rest. We're all seeking peace, but it's truly only found in one place, in one place. In fact, in Matthew 11, we see the source of where true rest and peace come from. It was our call to worship this morning. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. No rest for the weary, no rest for the wicked. Come to me if you're weary, if you're wicked and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke. Learn from me because I'm lowly, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I got to say, that that sounds like a cop-out to people who maybe aren't Christians or who are just exploring this concept of Christianity or faith, right? And even to Christians, sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, but I've got this life and it's really hard. But listen, I want you to know I have experienced this truly in my own life. The relationship that I have with my creator through Christ doesn't, doesn't automatically fix everything that I have wrong in my life. I still have choices that I have to make. I still have struggles I walk through. I still have problems. I still make mistakes. But in those spaces, I find strength to overcome them. I find that I'm a different person and I'm reminded that I'm not a failure, that I'm not, that I'm not defined by those mistakes. And the, the, the message that comes from my Father in prayer through the Holy Spirit that lives within me through Scripture which is available to all of us, by the way, not just because I'm a pastor, but to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, rest is available for our souls. This is why people, and this is hard for us to understand, because we, some of us, we rail, we get so frustrated when we hear about somebody who's on death row, and they find Christ, and they find peace for their souls, and we get mad at God, and we say, how could you forgive that person? Right? And we go, I can't believe that that person at the end of their life, after all that they've done, can just get away with it. No, 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 they're not getting away with anything. They have to pay for their crimes. But that doesn't mean that their souls can't find rest and peace because 
Because in God's eyes, all sin is sin. And it doesn't matter the things that I, the way I treat my wife or the way I treat a stranger, whether or not I'm violent, if I'm an adulterer, if I'm a thief, if I'm a murderer, it's all the same. It's the way that we live our lives that separates us from God. And there is forgiveness and grace and peace and mercy available for every one of us. And I think that we find that in, when Jesus says, come to me, and I'll give you rest for your souls, we automatically think that that means that our problems go away. But that's not the case. The case is he teaches us how to live in our lives, one, to avoid those mistakes again, the strength to overcome them, but also in the middle of them to find peace and rest so that we're not weighed down by shame and guilt all the time. And so we need a new playbook. We need, if we want to beat the hustle of sin, we need a new playbook. And so write this down. This is what I wrote here for us as kind of a main idea for this message. The only way to beat the hustle of sin is to win the fight before it ever begins. The only way to beat the hustle of sin is to win the fight before it even begins. So how do we do that? How can we actually win? How can we overcome the things that we struggle with, the areas of our lives that are, that are holding us back? By understanding the hustle of sin, first of all, but then developing what I'm calling the mindset of faith. The mindset of faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the, the writer of, of Hebrews is, is, has just finished up talking about all of these fathers and mothers of the faith who have lived for hundreds of years prior to them and said they're, the things that they did and how they, were, they achieved greatness in the kingdom of God because of their faith. They acted in faith, Abraham and Moses and many other people who lived their lives not necessarily seeing what was promised to them, but they believed that God said something and followed after him even when it was hard, Okay. And then he says in verse, tw- verse 1 of Hebrews 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded or have such a large cloud of witnesses, since all of these people who set the example before us are surrounding us, he says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. You get that there? Do you see, again, the hustle of sin, the ensnaring, the entangling? There's another passage of Scripture that talks about sin, and it says what it does is it wraps around us and it drags us away. This is the hustle of sin. It's like, it's like in Harry Potter, like in the, the Goblet of Fire, you know, where the, where the weeds come out and grab around that person, try to pull him into the, into the hedges. That's the concept of sin that we're seeing here is it entangles us, it ensnares us, and it grabs us and holds us back. And so the writer is saying, lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. And he says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The only way for us to beat the hustle of sin is to win the fight ever before it begins. And the way we do that is by developing the mindset of faith. And we see in this passage of Scripture three keys of what it is to develop the mindset of faith. And the first one is determination. Determination. What, is he, what do I mean by that? What does it say? It says, lay aside every hindrance in the sin that so easily entangles. He's talking about a racer, a runner, right? Now think about this. When you watch the Olympics, what are they wearing? Not much, 
right? They're wearing very skin-tight, breathable, extremely light fabric. Why? So that they can be faster, they can be more aerodynamic, right? They're taking off anything that hinders their ability to win the race. In fact, in this time, during the Greek uh, era, in, 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 Greek and in Ro- Greece and in Rome, in, in this time, most often they would run naked. They would take their clothes completely off. The same thing was true in wrestling, because wrestling came from, from Greece. They would actually take off all of their clothes, and they would oil themselves down so that they couldn't be held onto. They couldn't be ensnared. That's the imagery we see here. What he's saying is, is in your life, if you want to beat sin, if you want to beat the thing that has been struggling and holding you back, you have to have a determination, a single-minded determination that I'm going to make choices in my life to say, I'm going to determine that I'm going to lay aside things that are going to lead me down that road. So for some of us in the room, if we struggle with sexuality, sexual lust or those types of things, then you need to stay away from TV shows, music, books, magazines, things that maybe might entice you in that direction. Don't go to strip clubs. I mean, that sounds like an obvious thing, but don't go to places. If you struggle with gambling or financial you know, security, don't go to the, race, the racetrack, right? Don't go buy lottery tickets. Get on a budget. Don't be the one controlling your money. Have somebody else be the person. You see what I'm saying? Like, lay aside. Are there things in my life, are there things in your life that are hindering you but are actually causing you to walk down a path of that enticing? Are you walking a little too close to the hedges is what we're saying. When he says lay aside anything that hinders, they're talking about determination. A determining factor is I'm going to determine that I'm going to lay aside the things make a choice to give up some things that could hurt me in the end. That's the first way that we develop the mindset. In the beginning, we can't beat it. If we're already ensnared, there's no way you're going to win. Your emotions take over, the drunkenness, the high of the moment, right? If you've ever struggled with anything, whether it could be gambling, it could be anger, you just get caught up in it and you can't stop until it's over at that point, right? The only way to beat it is to know ahead of time and to determine this is the pattern that I follow and it takes me to this place. I'm going to choose a different route now. That's what it means by determination. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares. Number two, to develop the mindset of faith, we have to develop not just determination, but discipline. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is, lies before us. This requires practice. I mean, I'm amazed at marathon runners, you know. Um, I actually just talked to a gentleman this week who runs 50Ks. And I thought, my gosh, that's so much, which I think I guess is like a marathon, I guess. I'm not really sure. I don't know the numbers. But in these Ironman competitions or the ultra Ironman competitions, you don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to go out and run a marathon today. I mean, it would take a a superior human being to be able to do that. Maybe it's been done before. I don't know. But I do know that our bodies are not designed to run at those distances. Physiologically, you have to train to do it. You have to teach yourself, develop conditioning. And so when he says run the race with endurance that is laid before you, we're talking about that mindset. It's not just making the decision once to stop watching this show or to, to, you know, try a different thing or to get counseling for something, whatever that determination choice is to help you set the stage for the thing that you're trying to beat, 
Determination becomes this discipline when we make choices to do it consistently, when we start setting up, you know, patterns and accountability in our lives, when we start practicing these things. Just like if you want to practice, if you want to run a 5K, you start running a mile or you start running on an hour a day or what or 20 minutes. You start with five minutes, then 10 minutes. You do a training regimen. The same thing is the case for us here. Practice develops endurance, and endurance comes from conditioning. We have to condition our daily habits with the choices that we make in order to beat the things that have held us captive for so long. Determination, discipline, to run the race with endurance. And then it's interesting that he says this at the end. uh, Dana, if you want to come up, you can come and begin playing here. He says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. That was verse 2. The source and perfecter of our faith. Why does it say that? The third thing we need is not just determination for the mindset of faith, not just discipline, but we also need focus. The thing is, is that no matter how good of a runner you are, no matter how conditioned you are, when you're getting close to the end or maybe at different parts when you're thirsty or you're tired, it's easy for our eyes to look at other runners, somebody who maybe is running past us. Maybe, oh, you look back behind you and you see the other runners far behind you and you feel like the natural tendency is I can slow down a little bit, right? I mean, in the walk of life or in the run, the race of life, it's, the tendency is for us to say, I think I've beaten this, right? After a few months, I haven't struggled with this thing. My life looks different now. Wow, I'm beginning to rebuild these pieces and these areas of my life. The tendency is now is to put our guard down, right? And, to, and to, to take it off. And we begin to take the foot off the pedal, if you will. And we begin to slow down. And maybe we see something that's enticing and we go, you know what? I'm so far ahead right now. I'm good. I can go, go over there and get that cheeseburger or whatever it might be, right? And so the writer says, keep your eyes on Jesus. And this is like a coach, right? You know how like race car drivers, they actually have a, uh, their coach in their ear, you know, or like sometimes runners have the same thing or there, there are all sorts of sports where they have the coach in their ear. In fact, in football, it's the same way. They have a, they have a, a, a microphone and a, a receiver in their helmet. And the whole reason for that is because it's easy to get caught up in the circumstance of the moment that you can lose the focus of the reason why you're doing it in the first place. You could be completely determined, this is what I'm going to do in my life. You can be completely endure, have the endurance and conditioning to be strong and the ability to continue, but you can lose your focus in a matter. And so what, what the writer is saying is keeping our eyes on Jesus, remembering the reason why we don't want to get caught up in those sins. Remember where we came from. Remember how we feel after it, but also that we're not created to be this way. That he gives us rest as we live the way that, that Jesus has taught us to live by the principle. He says, he says, learn from me. He's not just saying, come and say yes to me, right? We find rest for our souls By learning from him, he says, take upon my yoke and learn from me. So that means exploring what Jesus does. What's his lifestyle like? How did he respond to circumstances? How did he spend his time, right? And as we learn from him, applying that to our lives, then we begin to find that rest and experience that rest. We need determination. We need discipline. And we need focus. The only way To beat the hustle of sin is to win the fight before it even begins. And we have to develop the mindset of faith. So as we close with this, is that there is no rest for the wicked, right? We see that, that unless we break that cycle, we will constantly be trying to make ourselves feel better or to repair the damage that has been done because of the hustle of sin. But there is peace. 
and there is rest and there is victory for the one who develops the mindset of faith through Christ, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And his example shows us the way. And I love that at the end of verse two, it says this, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. Jesus Christ endured the pain, the suffering, the torture before it, during it, for the joy that was before him. He knew what was coming if he succeeded in his task. He had a vision for what was there. And in our life, the same thing. The vision is I can beat this thing that has held me down. I am a new creation. I'm a new person. My life can look different. I can have a strong marriage. I can have a a financial situation where I'm out of debt right? I can have a good restored relationship with my kids. Again, this is what is awaiting for us because the gospel moves us in a direction of restoration and healing. Those are waiting for us. And so that's why we continue to press on. That's why we say no to the things that might be fun, but are going to lead us down a road that will hurt us or separate us in our relationships or damage those things. Jesus said, he said, I did this to endure the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is He's won his race. And so that's the idea is it's saying, set our eyes on Jesus who already did this. So what is it in your life that is stealing peace and rest from you? What is it in your life that is stealing it from you? What sin is entangling you, dragging you away? There is good news. It's that Jesus came to show us that we don't have to be slaves to sin. That's why we sing that song, I'm no longer a slave to sin. It's not just a popular song out of Redding, California, right? It's, it is a song based in truth of scripture and he provided a way for us to win. Would you guys stand with me as we close this morning? It begins by accepting the invitation to become a child of God. We sang that this morning, right? All of this probably sounds really good, You're like, man, I would love to beat that addiction. I would love to not be held down by this thing that enslaves me. I would love to not have this problem anymore, be free from it. But you can't have it unless you have the power of the gospel that comes through Jesus Christ. We have to accept his invitation. We have no hope of mastering the sin in our lives without the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited for next Sunday because next Sunday is Easter. And Easter is really all about where the beginning of this ability came from. And so I want to close our eyes and we're going to pray. We're going to talk more in depth about this next week. But I want to give all of us the opportunity in the room to either say yes to Jesus for the first time as an invitation, you know, accept his invitation to become his child and begin to the road of recovery. Or for some of us who, you know what, you're just saying, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but I'm rededicating that. I, today, I've, it, it's just shown light on areas of my life that I have allowed to be lax. I have allowed to entangle me, and I am the, I'm not who I want to be anymore. And this morning, if you just, all you, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to just, in your own heart, in your own moment right now, to just dedicate yourself to the Lord, to accept his invitation. He is calling you, all of us this morning, whether you're a Christian or if you're not, or you're considering it, he is calling you, he's inviting you. He says, you can have more. You don't have to constantly hustle. You don't constantly have to feel at, at, without rest or without peace. You do not have to be called wicked any longer. You can become a child of God, loved, forgiven, accepted, have a place of belonging. And, and feel that again. If it's been a long time since you have felt that peace, that love, that rest, 
All you have to do is come back to him. And you do that just by saying, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you. I will develop the mindset of faith. I will choose faith over sin. God, help me now this morning, all of us, just pray this, make this our prayer. God, help me to develop determination, to be a determined person that I'm going to look at my life, the areas of my life that, that I have allowed compromise in, maybe even good things, fine things that for me, I just can't participate in because it leads me to the wrong place. It's just, I'm not built for this. God, help me to have determination to see those things and to determine that I'm going to choose, make a choice against those things. God, I pray that you would help me to develop discipline, endurance, conditioning, to build habits into my life, whether that's reading the Bible, whether it's coming to church every Sunday, whether it's going to life group and and engaging in relationships with other believers who will spur me on, whether it's taking time to pray, whether it's opening my eyes spiritually to just look for you operating in my life. I pray that you would develop discipline in my life, endurance, so that I can continue to hold off the sin that's so easily entangles. And God, lastly, we ask for focus, focus in our lives. God, help us to push past the things that distract us. Let us make you a priority. Help us to remember what is waiting for us when we overcome the sin that destroys us. God, show us a better life. Give us a vision. Give us a a glimpse of the healing that you can bring in our hearts, in our relationships, in our finances. God, put those dreams in our heart for the things that you say are available for us, for the rest and the peace that is available. God, give us focus Strengthen us with focus, the mindset of faith so that we can beat the hustle of sin. I thank you for this message. I thank you for songs that are written by people who are wrestling with these things so that we can see that there are answers. I thank you that there is rest for us. God, give us peace in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.